Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're staying in Ireland to be joined by Caelan McGuire from Monaghan, the founder of McGuire Web and Software. Caelan, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you. You're uh, a regular listener to the show. Excited to have you on. We've had a few listeners get in contact that want to be guests. And after looking at the profile, you've certainly ticked the boxes of... Uh, I believe that you can provide value to our audience, which is UK, Irish, and a growing audience in the US of business owners, entrepreneurs, MDs, CEO, mm-hmm. co-founders, founders. Yep. So let's begin at the very beginning. You said you were born in Cavan, but we'll skip that part. Uh, and <laughs> Not my grew- fault. It's all right. It's all right. I'm from Meath, <laughs> and no one wants to accept me here because I'm on the border of Meath and Dublin. So uh, we were joking about that before we came on. You grew up in Monaghan. So for our listeners, in, either, anyone outside of Ireland, Monaghan is on the border uh, of Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, kind of Midlands, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Midlands, Upper Midlands, if, if we say it like that. Uh, beautiful place. You grew up there. Any favorite memories? And also, if you could answer the question of if anyone was ever in Monaghan, what's one place they should visit? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I suppose for the first question, the memories kind of thing, I suppose it's more what I was grateful for. I suppose Monaghan is a very rural area and lots of different people were close enough to Dublin uh, and the North as well that we have di- whole different types of people from all around Ireland. But at the same time, it's in a rural setting. Do you know what I mean? So I live in a farm here in Monaghan kind of thing. And I was never kind of held back from the opportunity of getting to the city. We can be in Dublin in 45 minutes, but you also have that kind of privilege of growing up in the countryside, which I, I think is kind of, you know, something that you should never take for granted kind of thing. It's, it's a really big deal. So I suppose I was re- as somebody who lives or who is living in the city, you know, nine months of the year kind of thing now um, is something certainly I don't take for granted. I had a couple of guests on that have come from the countryside, Wexford, Waterford, uh, Tipperary. Mm. And one of the questions, one of the answers they always say to me is, uh, I never took for granted where I grew up until I left it yeah. and then came back. And it's yeah. 10 times more beautiful and I can appreciate it way more. Is that the same with you? Oh, 100%. Like, I, I was actually, I was in Galway there for best of half a year kind of thing, um, starting college. And I came back in January with the last lockdown. And actually having, having somewhere to go to exercise without there away and 100 people around you, just uh-huh. being able to walk outside like we can walk two minutes outside the outside the house and you're about a mile away from any human on earth kind of thing and that's yeah, just yeah. that's just something that i really yeah honest to god it's just something else sure. yeah i uh I, I get a little taste of that uh my girlfriend's parents live up at the hellfire club in dublin to the top of the mountains and again nearest neighbor to them is probably a kilometer and a half so oh, when lovely. i spend time up there it's the family that she has and then deers rabbits <laughs> nature and it's yeah. beautiful so uh, i can totally appreciate being surrounded by that all the time uh, before we move on to all good things business uh, early influences inspirations teachers parents for sure anyone yeah. you think i i suppose i had a few different teachers that really inspired me i had a few teachers that i had a, actually an art teacher mr mcgillan who um he i was I was kind of like a notorious student. I didn't do very well, but I think he saw opportunity. 
uh, I was big into Apple products then, and he had an app, uh, Apple iMac G3, which is this like Mac from the 90s that was a really big deal. Um, it was worthless at the time, kind of thing that you can buy them for like 15, 20 quid and eBay now. But um, he said to me, once I do well, if I do well in the junior cert, he'd give it to me. And uh, so that's what he did. Now, I'm sure the school doesn't want to hear that. I'm sure it was broken the rules, but he snuck out this iMac G3 under like a under a wee blanket kind of thing in front of the back of a car because I did well in the leaving cert. I, I suppose that was something that really motivated me. Like, and and then there's another thing as well. I, I was I attended Kota Dojo kind of thing, like uh, which is a, a coding school for young people. And I actually ended up being a teacher there in recent years. And uh, some of the stuff they were teaching you, like they wouldn't, they'd adapt their teaching for to keep you interested, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. yeah. So one week you might, yeah, you might they might try and get you the foundations of. HTML, CSS, and building websites, building apps and stuff. But if they saw you kind of strain, they'd introduce you to game development or maybe robots or stuff. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. And it was it was like an education with kind of like a, a conscience. Do you know what I mean? It really just kept you kept you coming, like because it was completely your choice to come on a Saturday morning if you'd like. There was no kind of like maybe some people's parents made them come, but certainly not mine. And uh, it was something that really kept me interested in computers for a long time and showed me that computers isn't just like a blinking machine in the corner of an office like you know what i mean it can be really yeah anything i i know you said that uh you were the greatest student in school mm. but i can see that from giving up some of your time on a saturday and from a lot of the courses if anyone scrolls through your linkedin you can actually see that you are an avid learner you just had to be doing something you enjoy yeah for sure yeah, well, shout out to Mr. McGillan uh, yeah. and for him giving you the, the laptop. It actually goes with one of the things uh, in, in sales around tying your personal goals to the corporate goals of to get to motivate people. And he certainly did that with you with the Mac. So oh, yeah, shout, out, sure. shout out to him. Uh, where did your interest in computers come from? Um, I actually, it, I think I was 13. I had just got my, conf or no, excuse me, 12. I just got my confirmation and all my friends were getting the Xbox 360 at the time. And um, I, I didn't have enough confirmation money to get an Xbox, a brand new Xbox 360. So instead, what I was doing, I, I decided I'd build my own computer so I could play video games with my friends. Wow. Yeah. Now, there's actually, in, in, in years past, there's actually been a lot of people who, in Monaghan especially, who, who build their own computers and gaming rigs. Um, but they're usually a wee bit older kind of thing. But we were kind of the first ones in Monaghan that start building their own gaming rigs. Me and a, a friend um, at 12, actually, in, in, in sixth class. And I actually never ended up playing video games on it, would you believe? But uh, it was during that process. It was like a summer we took to to buy all the parts and build this computer. And uh, no, it really just opened my eyes. And I, it actually feels like I've just been doing that project for the last seven years, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I've just been adding to that. Like that computer is still upstairs. Do you know what I mean? Now it's got a few more screens and, a, you know, probably it's entirely new parts. So, but uh, it is something that I'm really proud of kind of thing. And, and that kind of really taught me sometimes the uh the project itself is better than the finished result oh 100 yeah uh, and i can tell even from the seat that you're sitting on that you're big into your to your computers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what that's do you like to do what do you like to do outside of work uh that's a good question actually to be honest with you like i, c I if i could move the camera i'd show you around the room but it's all electronics it's all different projects i have touch screens here and little rc cars little cameras and microphones and different stuff like i like hacking with stuff i like playing with stuff like i, I have other interests too look I, I like exercise i like cycling i like politics but but computers is all this thing that sticks to the wall you know uh, yeah. it's never gonna let go 
Uh, and it's something that just roots inside you. It, 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 you know, if you take a proper interest in it, it's, it's a hobby, it's a job, it's everything in between. Like, I have this thing called shiny object syndrome. I see something I like, like a technical thing, and I just want to buy it. And my yeah. most recent purchase, I still get slagged for it. I only bought it about a week ago. It's called a Zanco. It's the world's smallest phone. Wow. If, if we look at this, uh, any listeners, you can Google it. But if you take this pen, normal, like, big pen it's not a big pen but if think of it as that if you take the top off it there that's the size of the zanko phone it is absolutely tiny and i just bought it just because i just love all things gadgets so I, I understand how you feel um moving on to business i know you worked with uh, the guys at grafton i did uh, i know two of them quite well uh, one of them i had eric on my podcast and dara uh, i've connected with him and, and uh, he's a great guy too um what was working with them like did working as part of the team mm -hmm. uh teach you anything uh or yeah teach you any lessons about going out by yourself for sure uh, like it was it was a it was probably the i was at college at the time but that was definitely the predominant learning experience in life for those few months kind of thing like i had actually done freelance web development beforehand for a short period of time and that's why i thought i was so qualified for this job i was like i'm gonna come in here i'm gonna be telling people how things go but I actually went into that company and I saw kind of the relationships with the lads had with their customers. I, I suppose as well, I had two kind of prejudices when I went in. I said, personally, I'm failing because I'm too young um, and because I can't, and because nobody's willing to sp spend more than a few thousand euros on these websites. Like, and both the lads were younger than me and they'd sell, sold websites for 10 times the amount of money I'd ever sold them for kind of thing. And it really kind of awoken me to like, it's, it's it's more kind of thing it's not just the product you make but it's the relationships you have and it's the way you treat people and it's that respect between the client um yeah and that really kind of kind of just you know you, you remind me of a when i was younger uh i don't know what age you are but when i was probably 19 20 i set up a business with, with a friend uh called recall and i was essentially selling wristbands the students are at dublin the peak we sold them at 50 40 50,000 of them and uh, it would give people like entry at the clubs, like they went to Leisureplex, they got an extra free round of bowling, tons of things. It had four areas, I can't remember them now. We had uh, McGregor as wow. one of the people who was on the poster for us. Now, this is before he's major famous. Um, but uh, I, I remember calling on McDonald's and a couple of other places, and outside of work, you'd get a ton of praise from people. And a lot of the comments were, I can't believe you've done this at such a young age and for me looking back years later now being 28 uh, it almost I it almost felt like I couldn't afford to stop mm. doing what I was doing because I loved that let's see what it is attention so much that I felt like um, it was almost leading me to burnout that I was like had done a significant amount at such a young age and like i i i don't know if that's a similar feeling because when i look at your history on on linkedin you've achieved quite a bit at still a young age hmm. is that a thing you can relate to or a factor that comes into play uh, there's actually i have one memory exactly that i think lines up with that i remember being at the bt young scientist i think it was 16 or 17 and we were doing a project my grandmother who's since passed kind of thing, had alzheimer's at the time and one of the most unaccessible things we had was uh, smart home devices kind of thing so uh -huh. smart plugs smart lights and you know trackers and different stuff to know where she she was going and different stuff she ended up having to go into a home uh, and that was you know something we, so my project that I, I i based it around was affordable um 
IoT devices. So basically what we did was, now the price had to be below 20 euros, so every device we made had to be dead cheap, but we programmed a small device that would turn lights on and off, for example, and connect up to an app. And we programmed another app that would track your location kind of thing and report it to somebody if you went out of a certain uh, you know, area kind of thing, or if you were moving erratically at some point. Uh, and there was a few different devices we met. And I remember over those maybe, Jesus, maybe three or four days, we met ministers from government. We met, you know, business leaders. We met the president as, actually as well, like who was really, you know, really supportive of the project. And I remember one day, probably the last day, actually, we had a lad from, I think it was Rehab Ireland, who actually came up and was interested in, in the project and said, you know, you know, we'd love to kind of take you on our team kind of thing. And another person from Google. Now, none of these actually moved forward, but I remember the next yeah. day kind of thing, it going from 110 miles an hour to literally zero. Like I remember waking up in the bed the next day uh, and, and hearing mom and daddy talking about the weather or something like, do you know what I mean? And it was just, it was just mind boggling that I had a picture of the president beside the bed, but that was the only difference from the week prior. Like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it never happened. Uh, I didn't have LinkedIn at the time. I didn't have all these things. So I didn't make all these connections, but it, it, it actually was a real kind of like shock to me kind of thing. And that's, I suppose I, I worked in, in a company called Comilift a few years later and, uh, have been really striving to get things going again, working with lads and graft and working on my own projects kind of thing. I suppose it's, a, it's now I think at, up until this point, I'm kind of at that level again. I'm at that level where I have so many connections and I'm linking up with lots of different businesses, but I think that's when I think I'm in searching. Yeah. Actually like, you know no, what I mean? I, I, I get you completely. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, but I had, I had this, I had, we'll move on in a second. I had this period when I was graduating college. I did uh, tourism marketing in Dublin Institute of Technology, now called TUD. And when I left, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I had, and, and I worked in, a, in an organization for maybe eight, nine months. And then I disappeared and moved to Australia for a year. But I had this kind of initial fear of moving to Australia because I'd be kind of forgotten about in that world and rightly so who cares about me in that world because I'm a tiny small fish in an incredibly large pond but it was just as easy when I came back a year later to get straight back into that world mm. people remember your name and who you were but as long as you put in the work and get the results like it, it, it what I'm saying is whether you're 28 38 48 it doesn't really make a difference you 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 can make an impact as long as you're willing to put in the work and yeah. a, a, a 12-month stint outside of it to go on holidays with your family or take a break to do something is, is not going to matter in the long run. So I like that uh, yeah. honesty and uh, I can see from your LinkedIn that if you continue to do what you're doing, you'll, uh, you'll amount to great things. One of the things I saw when I was looking at your LinkedIn was that you, and I've alluded to already, you're an active learner, but one of the courses that you participated in or a very serious that you watched was, and I'm going to read from my screen here, understanding the impact of deep fake videos can you explain what deep fake videos are to any of our listeners this is actually something i was really interested in now i'm not gonna you know make the accusation that i know a whole lot about this kind of thing i don't want to kind of gabble mm. on but essentially what it is is it's using uh, it's using artificial intelligence to kind of make a video or or or, or, or make a face for example let's just say the president of the united states you know joe biden for example so yeah. you can you can if you have enough footage about him you can use neural networks to kind of anticipate what he would look like if he was seeing certain things. So wow. with that kind of technology, basically, you can have a video of Angela, Angela Merkel, for example, or Joe Biden saying, you know, I mean, we're going to be dropping nuclear bombs in 20 minutes kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I was watching this video and actually I was on the bus at the time. It was something I had 
you know, subscribed for LinkedIn premium for other reasons. And it opened a LinkedIn learning kind of thing. So I decided, you know, I'd just give it a, give it a go kind of thing. But as they were talking kind of thing, I just, I was just thinking kind of thing, the implications this would have even in everyday life. Do you know what I mean? Of you not knowing if this video that looks completely real is real or not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not Absolutely. just in, not just in the political leaders, but in, you know what I mean? Radio commentators, local leaders, do you know what I mean? Um, business leaders. It would just be absolutely shocking kind of thing what we could do with this. And so it was just, go that course was going through, first of all, the social implications of it, but also how we can fight against it. So for example, regulating social media companies or at least having them, so having like an audio in the background that the human ear can't hear, but a computer could analyze. Uh, and if that audio is not there, then that video is not real kind of thing, if you understand what I mean. Gotcha. Uh, so there like was white some... noise. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, it was just this amazing thing to think of kind of thing as social networks. Cause I actually, I programmed a very basic social network when I was young. Uh, I was just, it only, it, it never launched by the way, but I remember thinking like, you know, 13 year olds can build websites and social media websites and apps and have that launch in the weekend. And social media websites are popping up all the time. And these deep fakes, we won't have enough time to regulate individual companies kind of thing to say, oh, well, you know what I mean? You can't be showing deep fake videos as if they're similar to, you can't be showing deep fake videos right beside real news. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the kind of question behind how we'd fight that was, was really interesting. And that was a business opportunity there for someone. Definitely. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, but that quick authentication as in, you know, if you could have a company saying this is a real video or this isn't, you know, that would be an incredible lucrative opportunity for sure. Absolutely. There's a, there's a YouTuber you should check out. I'll link him to you afterwards. His name is James Janney, okay. J-A-N-I. And he did this video on not deep fake videos, but also people faking to be him to scam yeah. people out of money. And very intelligent as well. A lot of people think they wouldn't fall for it, but uh, it, it, no shame if you do. And uh, a lot of people that do fall for it don't report that they've fallen for the scams because they don't want to be seen as a bit of an idiot. So there's actually more scams happening than you think of. But uh, remind me to link you to them because I'll, I'll put a link below if anybody's interested as well. You only uploaded the video two nights ago. Fascinating video about people scamming others, pretending to be him uh, and, and, and how he's found software to combat that so uh moving on uh in focused on your industry you know, on the computer side of things is there a commonly held belief about the computer industry that you disagree with uh, and if so what is it and why that's a difficult one i suppose it's inaccessibility kind of thing um I recently, I was actually just with a few friends there over the weekend. I was talking about a project I was working on. I bought a AR drone and um, nice. I, was doing, I was I was programming it to fly by itself kind of thing and uh, recognize my hand gestures kind of thing. And I remember a friend coming up to me and, uh, and talking to me as if I was like, you know, just, you know what I mean? Done something worth it, worthy of Nobel Prize or something. But, you know, technology is incredibly accessible. Do you know what I mean? And if I had only learned about a computer 15 minutes ago, I still think it only takes a short period of time to actually really grasp the essentials. Do you know what I mean? There's a deeper question behind computers as in, you know, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right way to go? That kind of project manage management, which I think is an important, you know, tool to learn when you're going into computers. But as for the actual code, the accessibility of it, you know what I mean? We have this huge online community. Um, 
such as like Stack Overflow, loads of different websites like that and, and communities like that that are willing to literally give up their time to help you yeah. build your projects. You know, if you have the intention to do anything, I would recommend, you know, even if you don't know what a computer is, really, do you know what I mean? Just sit down, write out the project, how you want to do it, and just think it through in your head for a few days, post about it online, you know, and you'd really be able to access that. And I think a lot of young people think that computers, you know, outside of a Word document and, uh, you know what I mean, outside selfies and different stuff that, that any, doing anything with a computer is really inaccessible, but I think that's just completely false, like, you know, um, yeah, if you guess that think coding should be a subject that should be taught in secondary school, high yeah. school for our American listeners as a mandatory subject, if they could choose one, I feel like you'd fit into that category of like wanting that to happen as well. Without question. It's, it's more as well. I think actually I had a conversation this other day with a friend actually as well, even applied maths. I know in Ireland, at least in, in my secondary school, it wasn't even an option and it's only an option in, in, a, in a few schools. But applied maths as well actually gives a more constructive way, like a, it's more a query and an outcome rather than, oh, this is simply something you have to remember to pass your tests. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that kind of thinking, the, the truth is, you know, look, one's getting H1s in maths still, you know, would find it as difficult as people do in ordinary or even foundation maths to do computer programming. Like, do you know what I mean? I think that kind of more of, you know, well, why is this happening? You know what I mean? How can I build something? to take this piece of information and result it in this. Uh, I think that thinking should be more kind of taught, generally speaking, that means computer programming, but that also means, you know, applied maths. That also means problem solving uh, on a practical level. Like, do you know what I mean? I was only thinking in, you know, in maths, for example, I did, I only did ordinary level maths, but, um, but I remember thinking kind of thing, if I had, if I had had problems that I could really solve, like it wasn't actually, it wasn't actually remembering the issues that was the problem or it wasn't actually solving the issues that was the problem in maths it was remembering what sums to use with which equation or what question it was do you know what i mean and all yeah. i remember thinking is like it would be so much more easy to navigate those questions if you could actually think about it through in your head if you had an understanding of maths in your head if you're an understanding how to address problems in your head uh, and that's something that applied maths i think really does well and computer programming obviously does well as well too there's a couple of good companies out there that have started to come out and change the way people are thought and learn about uh, computers. Stripe have come out leading the way mm. in Ireland with UL and a couple of companies have joined them to say that if you go through the course they've set up, you'll be kind of guaranteed a job. I say the word kind of because I don't know if it's definite, but yeah. I, I, if I'm correct, there was a Dave McWilliams podcast where one of the Collison brothers came out and spoke about like how that leads to a job and a number of other companies have opened their hands and said, yeah, look, if you go through this, we'll take you on as a, a graduate. Uh, so hopefully, and I can't imagine it will go backwards. I can only imagine it will get better as the years goes on with plenty of other companies. Doing I, I, I was only actually looking at a, I was looking at a program recently. It was posted online on Reddit and it was, it was a piece of software that's one job was to take human language and turn it into a, a computer like a you know a text file of code so it actually yeah. fixed the problem so you would say like oh i want this app to do this this and this but even that needs to be fixed by a programmer kind of thing like do you know what i mean and even that needs to be tweaked by a programmer and even the further we go down there's still always more to be done by a programmer so i don't actually think it'll ever be replaced at all for sure uh but um that technique it's i don't even think a programmer's job like i was hired in the last job as a as a as a php developer for example but I ended, I, I don't even think I ever really touched PHP because I was able to find other solutions around, around the problems that the company was coming to me with. Like, do you know what I mean? It's more that problem solving kind of attitude and that kind of 
a little bit of HR as well, a little bit of kind of human relations, actually, as well, a little bit of like team playing uh, attitude as well. Like, and I think that's what should be taught to programmers. Kind of thing. And if you have that, you know, you'll get yeah. a job, no question. Well, talking about jobs, I was talking to a friend recently. Uh, I was away for a few days. And before I went away, I had a coffee with a friend that he was saying to me, one of the most important things, because he's looking at that next chapter of his career is job security for him. You know, not everyone, but for him, it's massive because he wants to put down a mortgage on a house in a few years time and so on, so on, so on. And uh, I was talking about podcast guests that I had had on and I had said, well, if we go back in time and you started coding, it'd be a great way of guaranteeing a good paycheck and maybe the future that could be something parents, you know, encourage their kids to see do they like and if they do, would then to go down that route because good job security and also a good paycheck. I know a lot of my friends who are in that realm are 27, 28 years old and mm earning early six figures which is a tremendous wage for someone in their late 20s oh for sure yeah yeah so brand awareness getting the attention of people so if you got anyone if you want anyone to take action i'm a firm believer you first got to get their attention i know that you've been self-employed for a while how do you go about raising awareness of what you do with people do you identify a small list of potential target prospects and then target them with calls, messages? Do you do social advertising? Do you do speaking on podcasts to raise awareness, combination of all three, mm. anything else you can add to, but how do you raise awareness so you can get the attention to then get someone to take action, that action being yeah. becoming a client? Look, you know, we, we have the kind of traditional routes as well. You know, we call, we call people, we email people, we have a website, we have all that kind of thing, but of I actually, and we have a CRM and different stuff like that, but I actually think, the best way kind of thing is is directly talking to a client about what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong kind of thing and if they go about their strategy right you know what could be the results of that like do you know what i mean like i was talking with like a, a client recently and about their e-commerce website and they were kind of talking they had put an awful lot of money into their website they were making money back um but they weren't getting the results that they really liked uh i i remember just talking to them kind of thing saying your e-commerce website right now um I'm not going to say what products they sold, but let's just say they were selling expensive chairs. Do you know what I mean? Like if you go into a business right now, if you go into a business right now and you say, you're talking to a salesperson and you're thinking about buying a really expensive chair kind of thing, they'll tell you everything about that chair that is, you know, the premium cushions, the right leather, the whole thing. And, and if you leave that shop kind of thing without buying that, you'll pre- feel proper shamed like, do you know what I mean? Whereas on their e-commerce website and really every e-commerce website these days, you know, the best thing you could have is you have the name of the product, you know, which is the chair. You might have the price of it. You have colors and different options if you're lucky and you have a buy now button, but you don't have any real kind of grasp to sell it to you. Like, do you know what I mean? So one of the solutions we were talking about is like having videos, for example, testimonials, a video of the salesperson talking directly to them, you know, saying why this is such a good product, uh, a chat bot that they could interact instantly with that product as, or, or with somebody, a salesperson selling that product to them. Uh, 3D images so they could drag around the product and hold it uh, on their computer kind of thing and, and, yeah. and zoom in. And that was something that they were really awakening to. And that's something that I really get attention from. Like, I think in our in my, in my business, I think you can sell apps, you can sell websites, but really what I want to do is sell solutions kind of thing as well. Do you know what I mean? And sell kind of a, a, another way of looking at things because computers and, and, and software development really offers that opportunity to kind of offer something more custom. And I think that is more lucrative for for the company that's doing it like us but i think it's also more impactful to the business you actually provide that to like you know 
sounds like the product you're selling is the app, the website, but the solution you're offering is increased bottom line revenue. Mm. Oh, for sure. Well, that's that's the goal anytime kind of thing. But it could be, you know, increased revenue, but it could also be kind of thing, more interaction with your company. Like, so I mean, more loyalty, more different, more this, more yeah. that, like retention. Oh, 100%. A lot of the web development and app development companies that we've worked with, and this isn't to say anything bad about this because they're they're lucrative in their own right kind of thing, but they develop e-commerce solutions or whatever solution for the client they were looking at with the same tools that their opponents would, do you know what I mean, or with their competitors would. But I think actually, you know, offering that bit of custom, custom kind of approach where you can say, well, actually, you know, we're going to put in an extra six hours. We're going to put an extra two weeks. You know what I mean? We're going to have this whole custom functionality that may work or may not. Uh, I think people really listen to and people really from that, if that's successful, because you're taking a risk there, you might not be able to deliver that. But if you do deliver it, you'll just get, you know, unwarranted loyalty to you and your company and your brand, you know. I'll leave a link to your company website below, but mm -hmm. you've not built all websites out there in the world. So out of the websites that you haven't built, is there anything that you see as a common trend? I know you've alluded to testimonials, but a common trend that you think people uh, leave off their site that if they weren't to leave off, they'd be in a better place. Yeah. Jeez, that's a good question. I suppose a really proper, a section where it's, it's more dynamic, that doesn't that could mean a hundred different things by the way that could mean for some companies a really interactive blog for other companies that could mean testimonials for other companies that could mean a, you know, a feature that really links to clients and is in the here and the now one thing we're looking at now is actually ar uh, there's a solution for an app we're developing uh for a company that is developed it's working they're happy with it but we said we'll we're going to go test this functionality for you if it works we'll add it to your application kind of thing if you like it do you know what I mean? We'll add it to every item in your products kind of thing. But we were looking kind of thing at taking 3D models of this particular product and mm -hmm. having the client be able to open it on their phone and actually look at it as of what it would look like in the real world to scale. And that kind of extra kind of functionality and that extra kind of personality, I think really kind of hits home. Yeah. Now, that's why some some e-commerce you, you, like you look at some e-commerce websites as well that brand their website around their product as well like so you know my girlfriend was looking into starting a company recently where she was uh she was selling kind of like health products kind of thing and nice. so we the designs we were looking at weren't the kind of default wordpress templates which other people were talking about quoting for her kind of thing we were we were looking at kind of fancy graphics to like really show the product we were looking at animations we were looking at getting illustrator into to to demo each product uh, and to really build the website around that product rather than it being more than a portal that you can just access yeah. and you can purchase these products from. Like, you know I, mean? I think that personality. Now, I, I recognize that answer kind of thing could mean a hundred million different things, but that kind of hook, that real personality thing, I think is, is definitely missing. Stand out of it amongst the mm. crowd. Yeah. yeah. I get you. I get you. Are there any... I'm going to use the word tricks, but probably the wrong word. I asked this question earlier on, and I haven't come up with a new word since. Are there any, I'm going to use the word tricks. Tricks that you've discovered to keep you focused and productive in your day-to-day -day schedule, particularly on busy days, whether it might be writing down your to-do list the night before, getting up an hour earlier, or going to bed an hour earlier so that you can get your proper eight to nine hours sleep. Yeah, and, that's and that it. that makes a massive impact. I suppose... You know, we, we, we had a good relationship with the company here in Monaghan kind of thing. We don't have offices at the minute uh, because of COVID kind of thing. We have a few people that are hired kind of thing um, 
that are hired kind of thing for one-off projects but not per hour um so, so we're still really in the early days kind of thing but i we we kind of connected with a company an it company here in monaghan and we said we'll do we'll hold some of your it solutions for your websites and different stuff we'll allow you to open up to that market we'll host websites for you um and for that kind of thing we'll have could we have some office space kind of thing so we actually have a small office space in monaghan kind of thing that we can use nice. uh, and we have a 3d printer in there we have different things so being able do we have to like one thing i learned from covid was that i cannot work at home so i can't work in the same place that i relax do you know what i mean we have a lovely office here as well but it, it, i just can't work where i can relax kind of thing so having to get up having to put the shirt on having to look presentable uh, and going into the office i think is it's it's the most simple solution but it's also I still think the most practical, the best, like, you know? Yeah, I was driven, uh, I was driven mental the first couple of months because I was working from my apartment and there's an office about a 15 minute walk from where I live, I'm in it right now, upstairs, a proper studio downstairs. It's just an apartment converted into three office spaces downstairs. You see, I've got a whiteboard up and some lights uh, and a desk and it made all the difference in the world, just separating work from home because now when I go home this evening, I can turn off from work and actually enjoy and watch tonight is the euros um, yes yeah yeah and i then, actually uh, I, I actually think as well like i'm somebody who had worked at three o'clock if i had a deadline for yeah. midnight and and i was working to midnight and i knew then wanted it done by then i would work honestly and i have done even recently the entire night to get that done if it took the case like but i actually think that's probably for for kind of like productivity kind of thing that's the worst possible thing you can do like is is have your work hours like loop on to the next day because you will have stuff to do that next day that will not get done uh big and, and and most of the time as well you won't even get the original thing done properly or done to the, the level you wanted to and if you're honest with your clients kind of thing and said look you know this will be done a day or two from now kind of thing and, yeah. and really set realistic deadlines i think that's incredibly important that's something i still i still have to learn a lot from as well personally i couldn't agree more great that you can recognize that at an early age um and, and and i'm sure you're not also equally looking at the laptop screen to see when it hits 501 so you can turn off like there's a balance between yeah crazy hours and shutting down as soon as it hits 501 i know sure. in my early days of my relationship with my girlfriend we've had a few we had a few arguments over like me just never switching off we went away to yeah. turkey for two weeks and throughout those two weeks i didn't switch off once so yeah. but find, finding that balance is definitely key two more questions for you caleb uh, all your loved ones are safe, uh, but your house is burning down and you can only save one item. What one item is that going to be? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, Jesus, that's a good one. I suppose a 3D printer or something. <laughs> I have a 3D printer and I have a computer. Well, I suppose as long as the dog's okay as well, that's that's the first yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you made with a 3D printer? That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, well, to be honest, with you, I haven't got a whole lot, but I I, uh, I had a printer there for a year or two, and it was barely used until the first few months of COVID, and we were invited into. We were actually I was working in Combilift at the time, and one of the projects we were working on was called Combi Ventilate. Maybe mm-hmm. some of your listeners have heard about it kind of thing. It was a, a ventilator splitter. We, you know, there was a ventilator splitter at this uh, shortage at the start of the pandemic. And, and really that, that purpose was to uh, take one ventilator out and make it, make it practically be used by two patients at one time yeah. kind of thing. And I had my printer at home. It was printing masks kind of thing for the local hospitals. And uh, I had a friend come in and he, he's, he started designing these different parts for the printer. I was only doing the code for the project kind of thing. And he was just, he was printing things that I couldn't imagine designing. And he was designing it in 20 minutes kind of thing. And uh, it was some, it's just absolutely amazing kind of thing. 
my own thing I was printing, I was printing mask shields at the start of the pandemic, as I just said, for, for hospitals yeah. around Monaghan and actually a few down the country as well. And uh, we printed about 700 of them for my wow. printer. Yeah. And uh, oh, there's a printing farm actually in Monaghan, you know, a, a friend kind of thing collected a load of printers. So there was more than that. But my printer printed about 700. And since then, I've been printing kind of bits and bobs of everything. My mother is big into elephants, which is weird kind of thing because she's never seen them. So I've been printing a few of them for her as well, like at a few different jewelry holders. But I, I intend to actually start learning CAD properly. Um, I'm actually onto the ones in the engineering department to get uh, access to SolidWorks so I can really actually really kind of open up and see what I can do with 3D printers. So up until now, it's been trivial enough stuff. Fascinating. Final question is, I'd like you to imagine we're talking as if it's the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade. Uh, what would you like, again, answer this professionally or personally what mm. or both, what would you like to be looking back on? Oh, that's a good one. I suppose either a company that did pretty well uh, or a company that I learned a lot from and uh, actually scrap that actually sure I'd say 10 years of learning in any sense kind of thing like do you know what I mean 10 years like in 10 years of time no matter how well you do you'll have mistakes you'll have successes kind of thing I think just learning from that is is a quality that people really don't take um, put worth to do you know what I mean but I suppose as well do you know, I have aspirations outside of business as well? I want to, I always wanted to dabble in politics. I always wanted to, you know, be a big person in my own community. I intend to be in Monaghan for many more years, you know? So I suppose getting a good education, returning to Monaghan and having an impact on people, um, both inside and outside of Monaghan and, and as many people as possible and learning every day kind of thing and, and not being big headed enough, no matter how well or how poorly I do to not see where I went wrong or, and where I well, went well. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think that's something and, and that's something even today like I, I you know I, I suppose I'm very biased and I, I, I can be blind on, on things especially with this emotion involved and I suppose getting rid of that and being really able to see I succeeded because of that I failed because of that that's that's something I'd really love to learn I love it separate your identity from your role IR theory Kaelin we'll leave it there thank you for being my guest today it's a true pleasure getting to spend the last 35 45 minutes with you getting to know you a little more more about you um Definitely uh, success in your future. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it from a distance. It'd be great to have you back on a year or two from now to talk about what more things you've done, especially with that 3D printer. But for now, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Definitely. Thanks very much. All the best.